0: Welcome back. Diamonds for a Point, the podcast. So, thanks guys for tuning back in and and listening to the rest of this story. It does have a point. Diamonds for a Point. It is definitely going somewhere and and I really appreciate you all being here. Where we left off before was I was beginning to fit into jail and the lifestyle of raising the baby in jail Life's a funny thing, it, it takes you in all different places but once you start accepting where you are, you can start making it work for you and, and I hope that that last story really gives you an idea of how much of a struggle it was but how I was able to blend and the things that we can do for our children if, if we have to. Um. However... I hadn't been sentenced yet and sentencing date was coming closer and closer, which I didn't think that I'd be released too soon, but it's a confronting time. It's confronting to have to work through the reasons that I was actually in jail. I'd been charged with trafficking, two counts of extortion, um, guns and, and other pretty severe crimes I still hadn't taken on the reality that I was a trafficker though I I still thought that hey I just sold drugs to a few people like it was just my mates come on it was um it was a harsh reality having to read through the brief of evidence and and the statement of facts that they give to the judge you have to review them probably about a week before you actually go to sentencing. And looking over those reasons and, and um, acknowledgements is is very hard because in my situation, I hadn't actually been caught in the act. It was what people told the police that I had done afterwards. So I was very frustrated with their views on on what they believed I'd done. So eventually my solicitor had been able to negotiate a lesser charge of extortion down to demand with threats of violence, which I don't even think I did that. But anyway, whatever. Nevertheless, I did plead guilty. To me, the situation was we were completely engulfed in drugs. And and these people weren't innocent people just that I'd randomly met and randomly had altercations with. These were people involved in the actual drug trade. They were involved in the whole world of it. Like I did not think that they would do those things and, and say those things about me. Yes, maybe I did have a gun, but no, I didn't point it at anyone. Apparently, it's still classed as creating fear, but it was very, very hard to come to terms with with how they had described me. And they said that I had sold a whole heap of drugs and, uh, you know, this potential street level and commercial level and I was like really really is that how much it was I kind of lost track in the moment the next thing I think that you come to terms with is reality I felt as though I hadn't stolen from anyone I hadn't physically hurt anyone I didn't feel that I was as bad as what they made me out to be until I began to accept what I was actually doing. So by me trafficking this level of drugs, I was creating an easier access for other addicts. And down the scale was a lot worse off than me. I was making money to support my habit and live somewhat of a lifestyle. When they had arrested me initially, they said, oh, how do you afford this beautiful big house? I was like, oh, we all chuck in and we all pay for it. That whole thing of chucking in, I really needed to kind of get my head around it all. We all chucked in selling drugs to pay for a massive house. I I just could not understand it. Having spent that time in jail and, and being around other people with their stories and, and how drugs had affected them and how they'd sold everything that they owned, they'd stolen from parents, they'd stolen from friends, they'd stolen from strangers to support their habits, I started to realise maybe my concept of just being an enabler (laughs) was actually quite a significant impact on a lot of people. I started to realise that my reach with my drug trafficking had gone a lot further than just a few mates reality is a very hard thing to grasp onto when you've just started to rehabilitate your life and started to realize where where you'd gone wrong reality is a very harsh slap in the face and my reality was simple i had enabled drug addiction throughout my friends i had lost the ability to parent my older daughter. I had lost the ability to care for her. And she was lost out there in a world being looked after by someone who was not her mother. Nevertheless, it was with family and she was looked after well, but it wasn't her mother. And here I am in jail now, looking at at all of those consequences to my actions and realizing I really need to change. I sat up the night before my sentencing with another woman who was now in the mother's unit with her child and she looked at me and she said, you're not going to change when you get out of jail. And I said, and and how do you figure that? And she said, because you haven't learnt how to feel what you've done yet. I was like, what? She said, you still smile when you talk about those times and those moments, and you still you still glory in it. I was like, what? I am not. Nevertheless, she was right. I was waiting for sentencing wanting freedom. Freedom from the jail. Freedom from being told what to do every day. Freedom from... Being made to do what they wanted, freedom from being told when to wake up, when to go to sleep, what food you can cook with. What I needed to be searching for was freedom from my addiction, freedom from what brought me there. That was a long time coming. My sentencing date, I had to go to our capital city, which was Brisbane. And you can't take your baby with you to the to the courthouse. So you have to leave the baby there with a the carer. And obviously I thought our sentencing would would be quite quick and I'd be back. So I expressed the formula. I had my carer there that I knew would be fine with her although it's, it, it was very daunting. The next morning when they called my name up to go onto the prison transport bus to go to the, to the courthouse, I was leaving my baby in jail. So you get into the transport truck, one of those horrible pods. Thank goodness I was a little bit smaller now so I could fit in there a bit better. And I still remember the drive all the way to the Supreme Court my my family had handed me in some jail clo- sentencing clothes to the jail so I didn't have to wear the prison uniform when standing in front of the judge. It was the first time I'd worn normal clothes in over a year. They process you from the bus into the watch house, and you have to wait in the cells until your lawyer calls you and and whatever else. I waited and waited and waited. It seemed like it took forever. My co accused had to go before me. So I saw him go up and come down. And my boobs were so sore. By this time, it had been hours, and I'd been breastfeeding. So if anyone out there knows about breastfeeding, I was engorged, they were huge. There was no relief. I didn't know what the hell to do. I had no breast pump, no nothing. I'm sitting in a cell with just a toilet and a sink over the top of the toilet. And I'm throbbing. And my, my boobs were leaking everywhere. So I did what I could. And I sat over the bowl into the sink and expressed my boobs as best I could. It would have looked aside on the camera's. Getting the breast milk out and trying to stop the lumps forming, it was painful, but my boobs just kept leaking, kept leaking, kept leaking. Luckily, my family had bought me a top, but they'd bought me a vest that went over the top of it, and I could kind of conceal these terribly leaking boobs. And my solicitor called me into the visiting area, and the guards took me through. And they handed me the paperwork, what I would be pleading guilty to, what I had agreed to prior already to this date, the lesser charge that they would be reducing it to, um, and just, you know, some formalities. And my solicitor looked at me and he said, you actually look ready. You look ready to be sentenced. And I said, well, of course I do. It's been three and a half bloody years. What do you mean I look ready? I've been ready for a long time. He said, no, you're accepting And I said, well, I just want to get out. I just want it done. Nevertheless, he said to me, when I first met you, you walked into my office and you said, I'm not a drug trafficker. I don't know why I've been charged. And he said, well, you've sold a shitload of drugs. That's why you've been charged. I was like, no, I didn't sell them. I just helping out a mate. He said, you're finally admitting that you sold them. I said, well. I still don't think I'm a drug trafficker, but I'll accept that what I did was wrong. I went back to my cell. And then eventually the watch house guards come along and got me again. They take you up this elevator. and You sit in this little glass cabinet thing. You've got your seats in the middle and you, and you look forward to the Supreme Court judge. And behind me was my family, all supportive. And as the judge read out my charges, they asked, are you guilty? And of course, yes, I'm guilty. It was the most daunting experience having to be in the fate of, of this judge and them describing you in the words of what you're being charged with and still feeling like, but I'm not that bad. I really don't think I'm that bad. Judge came time for ruling. And she said, I have a problem with sending a woman back to jail with a baby. And I was thinking, really? Because it's not that bad. And she said, I want to release you today. You've done all up 18 months pre-custody with other jail terms that I'd done you've been on remand etc as well as bail for the last three and a half years I feel like without the you have no other history that you know I can really rule on this and and give you an immediate release date I was so shocked I was so nervous I could not believe it I didn't know what to do I had my baby in jail I have to go back to jail now and get the baby how on earth am I going to do that I don't even have a car there luckily my family was there but I didn't have an. Oh, what do you mean, you're going to release me now? I actually didn't want to go. Hang on a second. No, 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 no. Give me a release date. Don't let me go now. But then I'm free. I need to go. Oh. My heart was going up and down, up and down, up and down. And the prosecutor said, well, you Your Honour, no, I, we don't want to release her out into the community just yet. We want to put her on a community-based order, if anything, being parole. And the judge said, well, what about if I do part of the sentence with a, a parole period immediate release they numbed it over for a while and so i i got a hefty sentence but not in custody so everyone's clapping and cheering and happy you know i was happy i was happy but i was like what the hell do i do now so then After they've let me go, they take me back down to the watch house. They have to process the paperwork. And I'm sitting down there thinking, shit. Now, now you can't make a phone call. You can't just say, hey, can I call a friend? No, that's not happening. You have to just wait. You have to wait now until they release you. The prison bus is going and I'm thinking, I should be on that prison bus going to my baby. Can't you just release me from the jail? No, they release you from the watch house. So, they finally released me. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. And I have bolted out the doors no phone no nothing i'm walking out as i am luckily my family was waiting for me we we went straight to the shops got a car seat went straight to the jail by the time we processed got through traffic had gotten the car seat from the shops run around with our heads falling off like headless chooks we got to the jail at 7 p.m 7 p.m And they handed my daughter out. And that was it. That was it for us. We were out. We were free. Now, because I'd been released this way, I couldn't have any of my things. I had to organise a time to come back. They pack your cell up for you at a later date. It's usually within three days of being released. But I had nothing. (laughs) Just me and my daughter. But it was okay. Okay. I'd made arrangements to stay with my mother-in-law if I was to be released. So my family drove me to her house. I'd only met her a few times. It was so awkward. And I was so nervous, but I literally had nowhere to go. We must have arrived at her house at about 8.30 that night. It was past headcount. It was past my jail bedtime. I was so out of sorts, so full of anxiety. I just did not feel right in any way. And I think my baby felt it too. She was not happy. She was not a happy hippie. Eventually, once we got there, we were shown to our room and it was this big queen-size bed with these fluffy soft pillows and this big thick doona and it was just surreal I I wanted to go home I wanted to go back to jail it was too soon, I wasn't ready I must have laid in bed all night and tried myself to sleep Freedom. It wasn't all it was cracked up to be. Thank you for listening. Please make sure you watch out for the next episode Diamonds for a Point the pot the podcast.